Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, Justin and Steve. This is Kathy Davis from Charlottesville, Virginia. I have a question about ResMed or what you think of ResMed RMD. And I love the show. Very helpful. And thank you again. Bye. And provides unbiased answers. ResMed, this is a company that been around for a long time consistent grower and currently it's at a, an all-time high $241 a share $35 billion market cap invest talk over 32 million downloads and counting I am currently holding Tyson Foods ticker symbol TSN and I've been reading a lot of articles about the beef industry and how it's not doing very well. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our June 22nd, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. Appreciate you all tuning in, and I'm excited. I'm excited to help you take that next step in your journey of financial freedom. And the way that I do that each and every weekday is through our mission statement, which is independent thinking and shared success. We are here to not be championing uh, certain companies or uh, talking books. We are here to give you the facts as we see them using the data in front of us and as well as our decades of market experience. And whether I'm talking about uh, the market as a whole, an individual stock, a sector, a strategy, whatever it is, I'm here to give it without bias. I'm not going to bang any bells and whistles. I'm not Kramer. I'm here to just give you the facts. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. And that means you can interact with us right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time, or you can leave a question on our Anytime Voice Bank. Either way, that number never changes. It's 888 chart So let's go right to a live caller question from Alan in Hayward. Hi, Justin. Yes, how you doing? Oh, hi, good. Uh, I love the show. Um, I was just wondering uh, what you think a good entry point would be for the Boston Beer Company. S is in Sam, A is in Apple, M is in Mary. Okay. This is a company who's had explosive growth growth over the past few years. It only made $8.69 in 2019. Expected to make $33 in 2022, $25 a share this year. And this has pulled back a bit. It's 25.6% off. It's 52-week high. So it's had a pretty uh, decent pullback here. This would be a good Fib retrace um, type of chart to see where the major support is. Well, you're, you're getting one right around here between about $950 and $1,000. Right now, you're at 1004 So this is a pretty good support area. It's also where you had the stock really take off back in February, um, and it's now retested that area. So from a technical perspective, this is pretty good support, this, this little area here. 
and frankly strong charts that's tend to, this tends to be where they t find support the the point three eight two retrace on a, a longer term chart this is t tends to be where they retrace to before they take that next leg higher so frankly this is where it'd be if you were going to pick it up after this nice 25 percent drop thanks nice. for the call thank you so much Appreciate no problem that. now my focus point today is centered on this question could the stock market be wrong about the federal reserve and interest rates yesterday we had an aggressive rally in the markets and it was a signal that maybe last week the sentiment shift was offsides and that the the spook that the Fed put in the market was unwarranted when it comes to raising rates, cutting uh, stimulus, and the reversal of the inflation trade. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more and kind of the pros and the cons. What are the arguments on each side? And that's really what you have to do. You always have to look at both arguments. So that's what we're going to try to do today. Now let's take a look at the market as a whole today after that rally. You had a bit of a fall through. S&P was up 21 points, about half a percent. Pretty solid day there. On the Russell, you had up a little over nine points. So also fall through, but much less so from a percentage standpoint. And you remain kind of in this trading range. The, the Russell's gone nowhere since February, which is interesting. And if you look at the NASDAQ, COMPQ, that was up 111 points, definitely the strongest of the indexes today. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that interest rates, interest rates backed off again a bit to about a little over a basis point. We're now in the 10-year at 1.47%. On the 30-year, we're at 2.105%. That was about flat on the day. So you saw that a uh, bit of a steepener. You had the short-term fall a bit more than the long-term. So that's a reversal of last week. Remember, last week was a big reversal of the steepener meaning the yield curve flattened. And typically that is the bond market pricing in a weaker economy, lower inflation. And it was, in fact, a pretty big move in, in that uh, the 210 spread, the 530 spread, etc. And that's starting to reverse a bit. So another indication that today was a follow-through on the reversal of the reversal of the inflation trade, meaning that the markets maybe are saying, yeah, Fed, you're not going to do a whole lot to change the traje trajectory of the economy and inflation. Now, Jacob from the Bay Area, you will be next. But for now, we're heading into a quick break, and our qu questions and answer session will continue in one minute. So stay with us. And, of course, you can give me a call right now with your finance or investment questions at 888-99-CHART. Look at the calendar. Summer is here. 
The market's been exhibiting volatility, so investors are exposed to vulnerability. But you can implement strategies to better protect your portfolio. Justin Klein is here now, and he's ready for your finance and investment questions. Call Invest Talk 888-99-CHART. Let's head up to the Bay Area and talk with Jacob. He's looking at, is it Cureleaf? Uh, Cresco Labs. Cresco Labs. Okay, so CRLBF? Yes. Okay. And this is in the cannabis space, and uh, why are you looking at this one in particular? Uh, well, I've heard you guys talk about um, you guys liking domestic cannabis companies over the foreign companies. Mm -hmm. um, this company does look like it's growing about 200% uh, and is scheduled to make er some earnings for the first time this year. Uh, I do have a small position, about 1.5% or so, and was really just trying to get your guys' opinion on whether or not you guys think this is a good one to be in, um, just because of the growth that I'm seeing. But just wanted to get you guys' take. Yeah, I, I actually do think this is one of the better ones out there. And from the valuation perspective, it's not really that overvalued after this large, large pullback here from $17 down to $10 per share over the past uh, basically six months or so. And it looks like, from a multiple perspective, enterprise value to revenue four times, uh, enterprise value to EBITDA 26 times, which typically is, is relatively high. But like you said, the revenues are up 168% year over year. And that's in an environment where we're still not federally legal. And the whole play here with these multi-state operators, the domestic cannabis sellers and distributors, is that once it does become federally legal, at some point, I'm, I would imagine this decade, you know, whether that's early in the decade, late in the decade, we'll see. But these suddenly will become companies that uh, have a lot more opportunity, as well as will be able to list on major exchanges. They aren't trading on the OTC market, which uh, they, they have to now because of their, their federal status. So uh, this is a, a good name for that. And the question is, where is the support after this large pullback? And I'm going to say it's coming up here, right around $9.75. Now you're at $10.29. So you're right in that area of pretty good support. Uh, so I like this name, and it's getting into some good support as well. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Vitaly in Atlanta, looking at a more traditional company, and that would be Kellogg. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I own it. I uh, bought it a while back. Uh, hasn't really done anything, so I just wanted to see if I should buy more, uh, if I should sell off or keep holding. Well, this is one of the, your traditional consumer staple brands, consumer staple companies, and an environment where the economy is doing very well, inflation is going up, uh, the economy is str strong, capital is allocated towards other names that are growing more along the lines of the economy. And Kellogg just simply is not going to do that. They're just too large. And their business, for better or for worse, is not driven by economic trends. And therefore, that's why it's kind of underperformed. Now, you get into, I think, the back half of the year, you get into an economy that maybe is not as robust, slowing some, 
I think it'll do better. But I think it's a good company. It's not, it's actually undervalued uh, at these levels. Uh, it's just not exciting. So if you're looking for exciting, this is not where you want to be. But I do think in the back half of the year it will do better. Um, but it's one of those names that just produces, produces great cash flow year after year. Uh, they're buying back stock. You get that nice, uh, what is it, 3.5% dividend yield, return on equity. Average of last decade is in the low to mid-30s. Very, very strong company, strong business. So I like the name, but just you're not going to get exciting returns, especially in an environment where the economy is relatively strong. But I do expect better performance in the back half of the year. Let's go to Dan in Sunnyvale looking at deer. Hi, Justin. Thank you. Um, I just want to ask you about a very exciting, I'm being facetious, company. Um, I took an initial position in John Deere, stock symbol D is in Dan, E is in Eric. Mm-hmm. Uh, today, I just wanted to get your thoughts on it. I'm, it's, I'm assuming it's kind of an infrastructure reopening play, and it's dipped some. So it looked attractive to me. I just wanted to see what you thought. Well, it did dip a bit. The question is, did it dip enough to become attractive? And it is right now currently about 14.5% off its 52-week high. And that's after a nice little bounce over the past uh, couple of days. Still trading at pretty high multiples, to be honest with you. You're looking at enterprise value to EBITDA at 17. And historically, while that has come down here from 23, uh, historically, that's a relatively high number. This typically trades somewhere in the low, low, low teens, and now it's in the high teens. So that's something to think about. Now, their business is accelerating over the past couple of uh, quarters. They certainly have uh, grown their earnings dramatically. $9.92 in 2019 in earnings, $17.91 this year. So the question is, is that sustainable? Are they going to trend back to where they, they were operating before, You know, around $10 a share in earnings? Now, this is the world's leading manufacturer of agricultural equipment. Uh, and so certainly agricultural prices are going up. Farmers have uh, more money to buy uh, their products. And the forestry industry as well, wood products have been going up uh, uh, also. So this kind of goes along with the commodity sector as a whole. So if commodities are doing well, here's going to do relatively well. So this is kind of a, a side play on that. And if you think that will continue, then I think deer may be able to keep up. But um, to me, the value is just not there at this point. Uh, certainly gotten better over the past couple of weeks, but not quite there. At around 250, now we're at 340. That's an area that would get me interested, um, but not at these levels. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Your goal of financial freedom will require information and effective strategies. So let's talk about whatever is on your mind. Your participation is vital. So we encourage you to reach out. And we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. The stock market is volatile. It's constantly changing. So how are you positioned? 
Is your portfolio properly balanced or are you taking unnecessary risks? You can get guidance anytime for free if you go to investtalk.com and take the brief Riskalyze quiz. Now, my focus point today is centered on this question, and that is, could the stock market be wrong about the Federal Reserve and interest rates? Now, we know last week we had the Federal Reserve Open Market Committee and uh, report, and basically they came out saying that they may raise rates by the end of 2023. Remember, we're still in 2021, so that's what's so interesting uh, about this to me is that this is over two years away and it changed the inflation narrative rather quickly a lot of commodity stocks and value stocks uh, had a bit of reversal a big reversal from kind of the, the trend of the first half of the year and I said this before I kind of expecting the, the back half of the year to be different to be a, a more tr- period of Transition for the markets and the economy. What is the next macro theme? I think that's what the market is going to start to price in. Market is already priced in. The reopening, inflation, ticking up considerably. But where do we go from here? And where we go from here is clearly inflation not quite as hot, but how high will it stay? The economy not growing 10% a year nominally like it has in the second quarter due to the stimulus. But what will the stimulus be going forward? We already know there's likely to be more stimulus. But how big will it be? Where it will be targeted? Etc. All that is still yet to be known and yet to be priced in. Now this reversal from last week is was reversed this week to some degree. Especially if you look at things like oil. Reversed all of it and actually is higher from where we were pre-sell-off. Now the Fed believes inflation will be transitory and that they are going to be slow to taper their bond purchases. And that's why you're kind of seeing stocks higher. That's what the market is telling you. Now, the FOMC meeting concluded with officials indicating that they now see two rate hikes coming as soon as 2023. Now, if you look at the bond market odds, it's saying there's a 41% chance the Fed will hike rates by July of 2022. That's a year from now. Now, if you look at the dot plots and what the 18-person panel said was that it was basically split on what will happen in the future. Some think they should move next year. While eight members saw as many as three hikes for 2023. But they all signal some rate increase by the end of next year. Now the Fed has already began tapering a bit of its of its assets in some ways. They've been selling off a small, the small portfolio of corporate bonds it purchased during the uh, pandemic. But their balance sheet continues to rise. And that's to monetize the debt. That's why we've been saying they need to continue to monetize the debt. 
Now, if you listen to other members, it's not about the increase in rates, but it's about tapering. And if you listen to, for example, Dallas Fed President Robert Kaplan, he says he is more focused on reducing the pace of bond purchases for now and sees rate, the rate question as one to be answered another day. Now, this is one that I'm still trying to figure out is clearly they're going to taper or change their mix of bond purchases. But will they actually reduce the balance sheet before they raise rates? Because they need to monetize the debt. They need to make sure longer-term treasury rates don't get out of hand. But they could raise short-term rates. But they would want a steeper yield curve to do that, meaning they would want higher rates. And the economy clearly can't handle higher rates. And that's really the issue here is how, you know, if mortgage rates go to 4.5%, could the economy handle that? Could the housing market handle that? Certainly would increase supply, reduce demand for housing. Would it create major disruptions? I don't know that yet. But we know through history of the last 30, 40 years of every time you have the Fed coming in and raising interest rates, they have to stop at a certain, at a lower rate each time. They always raise rates, reduce stimulus, and that at some point breaks something, whether that's the housing market, stock market, something, and then they reverse course. And that's why I say we are at these permanent levels of low interest rates. They can't go very high. In the short term, QE is inflationary. Putting money out into the economy, creating dollars, that is inflationary. But once they stop, that debt that that QE created is still in the economy needing to be supported and thus is deflationary. And that's why when you see them pulling away stimulus, it really hits the inflation outlook. And that's why they are stuck. They can't really do it. So I don't really see them doing a whole lot. It's all talk. Now we're heading into a break. The Invest Talk phone lines are open and waiting for you. Give us a call at 888-99-CHART. Let's say... You've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak, listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call InvestTalk, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve or Justin, this is Owen calling from Northern California again. I am currently holding Tyson Foods, ticker symbol TSN, and I've been reading a lot of articles about the beef industry and how it's not doing very well. And also, I've been hearing rumors about Tyson Foods being broken up because it has supposedly became too much of a monopoly. I'm just wondering what you all think about that and what you think about Tyson Foods as a long-term hold, as I had planned it to be this spring when I bought it. Thanks, and I'll be listening on the podcast. All right, looking at Tyson Foods, and I haven't heard anything about them being broken up. They certainly have competition within the, the market, but they have a lot of different brands, I will say. 86% of their business is here in the U.S., 48% through retail channels, grocery stores, uh, 28% food service, and about 10% in other packaged food and industrial uh, companies. So they have brands like Jimmy Dean, Hillshire Farms, Ballpark, Sara Lee, State Fair, etc., and they're the largest U.S. producer of chicken and beef. Okay, So that's the broad overview of the business. Now, longer term, if you're looking at the profitability, uh, return equity in the low teens, solid. Not fantastic, but definitely solid. And consistent cash flow, 
uh, buying back shares, paying a nice uh, dividend, current dividend yields 2.4%. Expected to earn about $6 a share this year, $6.39 next year. And if you look historically at their business, it's, it's, it's kind of up and down when it comes to its operating profits and, and margins. And because 2014, for example, they made 294 up to, to $6.16 in 18. 2019 made $5.46, roughly that in 2020. So it's just all over the place. Solid balance sheet. Uh, you know, is it a good long-term hold? It's decent. You're going to grow kind of over along with the overall market. Uh, they don't have the, their best growth prospects are overseas, which is, like I said before, only 16% of their business. So uh, there's certainly room for that to grow and uh, in emerging markets. That's really where it would be. That's where the growth in the the world population is and the demand for protein like beef and chicken. So uh, is it a good long-term hold? You know, it's okay. I don't really see uh, a great advantage here. It's kind of a commodity producer for the most part. And so I, I would look for other opportunities. It just does not get me that excited. Thanks for the call. Next up, one of those questions we seem to get every few weeks or so. Should I buy this or that? stock i'll play that question and give you my answer this is john from south dakota i have a little bit of money to invest and i'm looking at verizon and at&t i will wait and listen for your answer on a podcast thank you all right well you know we like both of them but uh if i'm going to pick one i'm going to pick at&t why is that i think that there's it's definitely been a lot of people have sold it because they cut their dividend a bit. Uh, the the spinoff of Time Warner and, and that new entity, which for some people I think is too complex. And I think it's been kind of thrown out here with this drop from 32 or so down to about 29. So you've had about a 10% pullback. And even after the dividend cut, it's still going to have a nice dividend and you're going to own part of the new combined entity of Time Warner and Discover, and I think that's that, that's a, a smart merger for them, and will unlock uh, some nice strategic value with HBO Max and the uh, content that they can combine together, both fiction and nonfiction. So, I like AT and T over Verizon, but I do like them both. Thanks for the call. This is Invest Talk, and we are moving through our voice bank questions, so let's go grab another one. Hi, Justin and Steve. This is Taffy Davis from Charlottesville, Virginia. I have a question about ResMed or what you think of ResMed RMD, and I love the show. Very helpful, and thank you again. Bye. All right, looking at ResMed, this is a company that been around for a long time, consistent grower, consistent grower, and currently it's at a, an all-time high, $241 a share, $35 billion market cap. Its revenue growth has certainly slowed. I would try, I, I would definitely dig in a little more to see how much of that has to do with COVID, how much is that uh, kind of secular. For everybody else, what they do is they're the largest global respiratory medical device company, primarily developing and supplying 
flow generators, masks, and accessories for the treatment of sleep apnea. And as baby boomers get older and you have an aging population, a lot of those uh, becoming increasingly obese, that creates a growing market for sleep apnea. It earns 65% of its revenue from here in the Americas and the rest in Europe, Japan, and Australia. Now they've been refocusing their business on digital health, so that's good to try to differentiate themselves a bit. And I think they have a very solid business. If you look at their profitability longer term, return equity has been averaging low 20s. That's very, very solid. Free cash flow trailing 12 months of $733 million on a $35 billion market cap. Eh, it's okay. 2% free cash flow yield. You know what? I'm just not that excited about it at these valuations. I just think it's too overvalued here. Our value is closer to $150 a share. Now it's uh, close to $250. To Enterprise value to EBITDA 33 times. Typically, this is a name that trades somewhere in the neighborhood of 16 times over the last decade. So it's trading at twice the typical multiple. And I don't see accelerating revenue, cash flow, uh, profits, etc. I just don't see that level of acceleration to justify that multiple. So that's why I'm going to pass on it at these levels. Thanks for the call. Now let's pivot from our Virginia listener, Kathy, to Nick from Idaho. I've told you we get calls from all over America, and this one came in earlier on 888 chart Hi, Stephen Justin. This is Nick calling from Idaho. I own a European energy company, Total, that just changed its ticker from TOT to TTE, which has messed up my charts in Thinkorswim, and I'm wondering if you know of a way where I can combine the charts for the two tickers. Thank you. Bye. Well, your system should do that automatically. We use eSignal for our charting, and uh, I bring up TTE, and nothing uh, looks any any different, uh, uh, just as it did when it was total. So uh, this is something you might want to call Thinkorswim about that, which would be TD. Uh, Ameritrade and and see what they plan on if they plan on combining those charts which uh, typically they do uh, even if they change their their ticker symbol now total energies now that's the name of of the company and uh, I'm assuming this has a lot to do with the fact that maybe they're shifting towards renewable there's a lot of uh, companies that are doing that a lot of big oil companies especially in the developed markets Europe U.S. This is a company out of France, and frankly, that worries me a bit about the oil industry as a whole. Not that it becomes a bad investment, but hey, you need investment in new production to maintain the use of fossil fuels. And the big question is: Are we ready to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels? Probably not. Not in the next few years, maybe. It's going to take a few decades, most likely. And so I actually think oil prices are headed structurally higher because of the lack of investment. Companies like Total, BP, and now it looks like Exxon are starting to get pressure 
from governments, from investors to really change their priorities of reinvesting in oil and natural gas to reinvesting in renewables. So this is something I'm definitely following and it could create, likely would create more inflation, especially in the oil and natural gas sector. Thanks for the call. Now, thank you for listening to Invest Talk, and we have now surpassed 32 million downloads. So we're excited for that, and we want to take a minute to make you aware of some benefits of working with myself and Steve through our company, KPP Financial, which is based in Irvine, California. I'll remind you that here on Invest Talk and at my company, we operate the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. We provide unbiased guidance and parallel investing, which means we in the investment strategies that we implement for our clients, we implement for ourselves as well. So we encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone or go-to meeting. Just send us a message through investtalk.com or call our office, 800-557-5461. We'd love to help in any way we can. Next up, we will play a question from a listener in Texas. That's in one minute. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. Been listening for a while and have got some great advice. This free podcast is available for download anytime. Typically, each day and night, the InvestTalk call center receives more voicemail questions then Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. Hi, guys. Big fan of the show. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. I think for like the next 10 years, commodities are going to be doing very well. It's in the money. You probably just want to sell it. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. Absolutely love your show. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, this is George from Texas. I had a question about Global X Fund, QYLD. I was just wondering about the dividend and how they make money and stuff like that. It sounds pretty good, but I just wanted your take on it. Thank you. All right, this is the Global X NASDAQ 100 cover call ETF, and that's how they produce their, their income. Uh, we do this with our Equity Income Plus strategy, and basically what we do is you sell, you buy the underlying position, in this case it's the QQQ, and sell calls, uh, I'm not sure what strike or how they pick the strikes that they sell their calls uh, for to the upside potential of the, uh, the index. And typically, if you do it right, it's a, it's a fairly good strategy. It will limit yourself on the upside, limit returns on the upside. But if the market or the underlying asset falls, it can reduce the volatility or reduce the downside. And what's interesting here is if you look at the index as a whole, this has strongly outperformed the overall index over the longer term. If you're looking at the growth of your portfolio, and this goes back to 2013. So this is an improvement over the overall um, 
the, the overall QQQs. Now, some years it will underperform. For example, this year. Compared to the index, it's underperformed by about 5.7%. Last year in 2020, because you have that volatility, it actually outperformed by 11.5%. 2019, I'm sorry, 4.5%. Yeah, 11.5%. I'm looking at different rows here. Uh, 2019 now performed by 7, uh, 1.7 in 18, 5.7 in 2017. 2016 underperformed by about 2.3%. So some years that cover call strategy will hold back the gains or make you underperform. But, and this is one use case going back seven years now, of those seven years, four of them, it's actually improved the overall returns. Uh, and I think it's a fairly good strategy if you want exposure to the QQQs. And that's why we do it. We think cover call strategy, if executed consistently and in a smart way over the long term, is a fantastic strategy. All right. Can I fit in another question before the break? I think yes. This came in earlier from Riverside, California on 888.99 chart. Hello, Steve or Justin. This is Drew from Riverside. Love the podcast. I have a question I was hoping that you could answer on the podcast. Uh, general question. Is there a direct relationship between market cap and stock price? For example, if a stock's market cap is $1 billion, if that stock reaches a $10 billion market cap, would we expect the stock price to increase tenfold or do we not look at it in that way? Thank you. Bye. As long as the underlying number of shares outstanding stays the same, yes. Absolutely. That's how it works. The market cap is simply the stock price multiplied by the number of shares outstanding. So, yeah, the stock is if stock is trading at $10 a share, the market cap is a billion dollars, and then the market cap suddenly over the next X number of years goes to 10 billion, well, that stock price should go from 10 to 100 if the number of shares outstanding stays static. Now that can go both ways. Shares can go, amount of shares can go up or they can go down. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here, to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom and our work continues after this final break. So give us a call at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey, Steve and Justin. This is Alan from Cottonwood, California, calling again. Hey, I know a guy who uh, likes to be in the speculative stocks, and he's made a lot of money off of GameStop, AMC, cryptocurrencies, and BlackBerry. He grew his money 25 times in one year, and he was telling me about these new things he's going to invest in called NFTs, and I did not really understand what they are or what they do. I was just wondering if you could give me a little more info on them. Thanks, and I'll be listening on the podcast. 
All right, what he's talking about are non-fungible tokens, and basically it is a way to track ownership of a particular asset uh, utilizing a blockchain. And I do think there are some applications for them. Uh, for example, tickets to sporting events, concerts, because you have a very particular asset. One, there's only one of one. Uh, it's on a certain date. You have a certain seat to a certain event. And you can have ownership uh, defined on, uh, on that blockchain. Uh, and the original seller of it can actually, based on the, the contract that, and, and the, uh, and the uh, code within the NFT, uh, the original seller of it can continue to get money, a percentage of the resale of that. So think of uh, StubHub when you resell tickets. Well, the original seller of that ticket doesn't get uh, a portion of that. With the NFT, they would. Or think of a piece of art is, 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 uh, is uh, typically used in the NFT space. And the original artist can continue to get a royalty uh, every time the piece that asset changes hand over hands over time. Now, don't follow your guy because he's been doing well lately in these highly speculative assets. This is a sign of the times, okay? And it will go away. It will ebb, and I think it's going to ebb sooner rather than later. You're seeing that with Bitcoin right now, Dogecoin right now, down eighty something percent from its high. And so you really need to understand what you're dealing with don't just buy it because your friend told you to buy it your own research understand your risk and with a lot of these names which you listed off you have extremely high risk now once again we've got a question about a stock that seems to repeat every month since we are constantly adding new listeners we're happy to revisit popular stocks and i'll play this question and then give you my answer Hey guys, this is Carl from Atlanta, Georgia. Just trying to get your opinion on uh, Playboy, P L B Y. I see that they just announced uh, closing on public offerings of common stock. Get your opinion on that. Love your show. Thank you very much. All right, yep. Playboy did issue some new shares to fund their growth. And I still think this is uh, a good longer term play. I think there's going to be a. Th three to five, six year uh, runway here where they're repositioning the brand, uh, their business, you know, away from magazine because they don't no longer have a magazine. And it's really a lifestyle brand now and run by real business people as opposed to Hef. And so it's going to be some time. You're going to have big run-ups like you saw in March, April timeframe and consolidation periods, which you're having now. And so to me, this is a buy on dip opportunity. Uh, it is near support here around 36 and change, 37 and change at the close today. Uh, so we still like it, still a buy to us and like that longer term value. What is the Playboy brand worth? Currently, the market cap is $1.2 billion. Think of Playboy, the third most recognized consumer brand in the world. Is that worth more than $1.2 I'm going to say a lot more. 
I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. You can get for free anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and as always, investtalk.com. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein, chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.